We're going to look at this verse, cast your cares. Um, but first of all, I want to say how great it was to hear Erica speak about her African mission trip. Yes. If there's something that binds in my heart, it's about missions. Um, I'll speak a, bit, a little bit about it later, but uh, and it doesn't matter where those missions are. You know, um, it can be in Africa. For me, my heart is in Europe. So what am I doing in Texas? Well, talk to God about that, because <laughs> I haven't figured that one out. But uh, yeah, this morning, the main verse I want to focus on is found in 1 Peter 5, verse 7. We'll go there in a moment. Um, but I just want to give you some backstory. As Dave said, we had a conversation. And what actually happened was a few weeks ago, a friend of ours in Missouri, she came to us, texted us with a, a prayer request, and um, she had some stuff going on. There was job uncertainty. She's got a disabled husband. She was worried about the health of her elderly mother. And my response at that time, I just heard a message from a guy called Sean Smith. And he was talking about shaking. And um, you can catch it on YouTube. And he, particularly the things that I remember him saying was that there will come a time when everything that can be shaken will be shaken. So that only that which cannot be shaken will remain. And that's kind of based on Hebrews 12, 27, and Haggai 6, 2, verse 6. Um, but yeah, if you go on YouTube, you'll find it. Sean Smith, he was speaking at a conference. And I just shared that with her. I just felt prompted to share it with her. And her response to me <laughs> was, David, you need to preach on casting your cares on Jesus. <laughs> and my immediate reaction was, you know what? That sounds a bit like what Dave was preaching about about a month ago. So I shared it with him, and so we had the conversation. And um, now the thing you have to know is that my friend in Missouri, our friend in Missouri, she doesn't know about Pastor Dave. She's not listened to any of his messages. So here we are. Okay, let's turn to this, our scripture this morning. 1 Peter 5, and I'm going to start 5 to 11. It says, in the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders, all of you, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another, because God opposes the proud but shows favour to the humble. Verse 6, humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety or cares on him, because he cares for you. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of suffering. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you've suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. 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 Okay. So let's unpack this verse. I mean, it's kind of a familiar verse. It pops up on people's fridges, and it just pops up. 
But what I want to do is kind of unpack it this morning. Um, help us maybe get a better understanding and maybe even see its application for us um, and kind of relate it to my journey. So the first word we find in this verse, verse 7, it talks about to cast. It says, cast your cares, cast your anxieties. Now, I'll be honest, I grew up in church, so I heard this verse preached on. It's a kind of a popular verse. But I always thought about the casting bit was like taking a stone and like throwing it across a lake or a stream, maybe outside. You know, that was the idea I had of cast. But when I actually looked upon it this week, um, <laughs> I, was kind of, I was kind of surprised to find that in the Greek, it actually, sorry, it actually relates to casting garments on a colt or a young donkey. And the reference we have for that in the Bible is found in Luke 19 and verse 35. And if you remember, Jesus asked the disciples, says, go to this guy, he's going to have a colt, a young donkey, tell him the master needs it. And so what happened was um, they brought it to Jesus 1935, brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt and put Jesus on it. And from there, we read that was the Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. So it's casting a cloak or a garment onto a colt. But the, liter- but the actual figurative meaning is about casting our cares or anxieties onto Jesus. And that surprised me. In fact, it threw me off completely. So I had to restart my sermon. (laughs) So the second phrase I want to look at is cares, anxiety. You might think, well, that's pretty obvious. So I looked at the definition in in the Greek. I'm not a Greek scholar, but I've got some resources. Um, And what it talks about, the cares and anxieties, those things that draw in a different direction, that distract. And again, the reference that I found this time was relating to the parable of the sower, which we find in several of the Gospels. And the first example we find is in Matthew 13, 22. Again, a very familiar parable. And it's really the main parable where Jesus gives an explanation as to what's what. So Matthew 13, 22, it says, The seed falling among the thorns refers to somebody who hears the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, choke the word, making it unfruitful. And then, in, a, in the same sort of chapter, in Mark 4.19, it says, But the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Then we come to Luke, where it says, The seed that fell among the thorns stands for those who hear... But as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, 
riches and pleasures, and they do not mature. So what I see as I read these is that anxiety and cares is not just about the bad stuff. It can be good, okay? Because it's about the distraction element, okay? It's not just about the bad. We tend to think anxiety, cares, negative, bad. But actually, the anxiety and the cares can actually be good things. Even mentions like pleasures and desire for other things. Those things in themselves are not bad, but if they're allowed to go unbridled, they can cause unfruitfulness, they can cause a lack of maturity. So, and you know what? This is one of Satan's tactics, by the way. If he can't get you to sin, he'll try and distract you. And he'll use good and bad things. So let's move on. The phrase, because he cares for you. I don't know if we really understand what that means. We're told it. We hear it. Matthew 6, verses 25 to 34 which comes out of the Sermon on the Mount, under the heading of Do Not Worry. Jesus is speaking to the crowd and he says, Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or your body, what you will wear. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labour or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon, in all his splendour, was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today... And tomorrow is thrown into the fire. Will he not much more clothe you? You of little faith. Verse 31. So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things. And your heavenly father knows that you need them. Verse 33, very familiar. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Another verse which I believe talks about how much he cares. We find in Luke chapter 12 and verse 6 6 and 7. Jesus says, Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies, yet not one of them is forgotten by God? Sparrows, really? Indeed, the very hairs of your head 
are all numbered. Now, for some of us, you know, that's not a big deal. Even we can count the hairs on our head. (laughs) But that's how much God cares. He's the God of the big stuff, the God of the universe, but he actually knows how many hairs are on your head. So he says, don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. So we've read the verse, cast all your cares, anxieties, good or bad, on him because he cares for you. So what precedes the casting on of our cares? Well, if we go back to our reading Then what we see, and I've lost it. Um, in verse five, Peter's talking to the young men. In the first part of chapter five, he's addressing the older men. But then he talks to the younger uh, members and he says, Submit yourselves to the elders. But then he says, All of you. So that's everybody. Clothe yourself with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud but shows favour to the humble. Um, So before we can cast our cares, we kind of need to be in in a state of humility because... If we're not, if we think, you know what, God, you can take care of the big stuff, I'll take care of the small stuff. That's kind of arrogant. God wants to see our humility. It's not about weakness and saying, God, I can't cope with this. No, that's what he wants to hear. It's admitting our need of his help. Not calling him in on a rescue mission. We can do that. He's happy to do that. But he is interested in every little detail. Every word in scripture is there for a reason. Every little thing. No matter how insignificant. If it says seven miles or it says some kind of detail and you think, why is that there? I can guarantee if you dig, you will find a reason why it's there. And there's better teachers than me who can explain it. But boy, if you dig, you will find hidden treasure. And then going on, verse 8 and 9. He says, Be alert and of sober mind, because your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. And it says, Resist him standing firm in the faith. Because, you know, the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And, okay, let's just stop there. Okay, so Peter is making them and us aware that we do have an adversary, we do have a devil, and he's going around like a prowling lion looking for somebody who we may devour. But he is not our main focus. God is. That's why he says, and the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you've suffered a little while, 
will make himself will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. Okay. How do I know that God cares? I'm just going to go through some things in my life. Um, and it, this isn't about me. This is about God and his caring. The way he's looked after me and cared for me. It's kind of ironic that today, 2nd of October, I'm here standing here. Because on the 2nd of October 1999, I married my first wife and her son. In 2001, God gave me a vision for church planting in Austria. I was literally sat in a Sunday morning service. And <laughs> this doesn't happen every week, but the, I saw the neon lights. It said church planting Austria. <laughs> I thought, God, what is that? Am I to go? Am I to give? What? That's what happened. That set me off on a journey, okay? The following year, 2002-03, I ended up going to Bible school for a year. I had another journey. Um, I was working full-time. I had a wife who couldn't work. But God opened up a door for me to go to Bible school for one year. So for one year... I had no income, and we worked out how much we'd saved up, and we figured out the term was going to run from September through to June, and we were going to run out of money by April, according to our numbers. I'm an accountant, so I do that stuff. And, but we felt it was of God, and for the first time in my life, I'd actually needed to trust God for finances. So we prayed. And um, one of the things that happened was I had a life insurance policy which was going to due to be, come to fruition. And we'd factored that into the, um, the calculations. But when it came time for, for it to be paid out, I actually got two letters and I thought, well, hang on, surely there's been an admin error, you know. They've sent two letters instead of one because everything was exactly the same. No. There were two policies. I got double what I was supposed to get. You know? Um, <laughs> and then during that year I was in Bible school, my father contracted a brain tumour, what turned out to be a brain tumour, and in six months he was gone. But it was a month after my graduation. Somehow they got him to my graduation and he was there and I've got a video of it, which I will treasure forever. And then after that, the vision of Austria was still there. Because I said to God going into Bible school, Lord, if you want to take me on a different direction, that's fine. After I did Bible school for that one year, um, Austria was still there. Nothing else would come in. And so I began to pursue it, or we as a family began to pursue it. And um, we actually visited Vienna, the capital, connected with the church there, just to explore opportunities. We made two trips... We came back from the second trip 
And then my wife said, no, we're not going to Vienna. We're not going to Austria. We're not taking my son. I had to lay my vision down because I knew if she wasn't going, then I wasn't going. But God, you've said, no, if she's not going, I'm not going. I had to lay it down. And I wasn't going to put her on a guilt trip either. Well, God says we're going to go. No. Sometimes you have to lay it down. Abraham had to lay Isaac down. He was the son of the promise. You have to add it to God. Cast your cares on him. Six months later, she changed her mind. She said, God spoke to me this morning in church. We're going to Austria. It's a story, but we, her son, we got her son into a Christian school in Austria. Come on. That's ridiculous. We were six weeks away from going to Austria. We didn't have a title. We didn't have a job. We had nothing, but we were six weeks away. He was starting school. And then God shut the door. Completely shut the door. There was green lights, green lights, green lights, and then a brick wall. <laughs> so was I angry? No, I wasn't angry. I was numb. I was like, really? I thought, well, my wife will be happy because she was kind of showed some reluctance. So I thought she'll be relieved. I was just numb. Well, Lord, what, what's going on? During that same time, I was going through a period of my own job uncertainty, a job that I've been doing for nearly 30 years. That got resolved. I kept my job. Then in 2005, my wife said she wanted separation. And from there, divorce proceedings came. And in the middle of all that mess, okay, because I don't have to tell you, divorce is a mess. I said to God, is Austria still on the agenda or do I need to move on? So, now I could have done a lot of things, but I felt God say to me, get on a plane, go to Vienna and hear what I have to say. So I did. Nobody knew. I got on a plane, went to Vienna, a thousand miles. God spoke to me that night. They didn't even know I was going to that church and one of the guys got up and he quoted from Genesis 28 where there's a conversation between Jacob and God. I haven't got time, maybe another time. But the key verse was, I will surely bring you back to this land. Hello? I travelled a thousand miles to hear God say, I will bring you back to this land. But I didn't know when, but I knew it was going to happen. That's what I wanted. That's what I needed. I began to prepare, the divorce went through, I began to prepare for Austria, even though I didn't know when it was coming. The following year, I was told I was going to be laid off from my job after 30 years. Now, some people were devastated and would be devastated. For me, it's time for Austria. It's God's timing. He cares for you. Put your cares on him. My boss came to me and said, Dave, I'm really sorry, but you're gonna, we're going to have to, you know, your job's gone. I said, don't worry. I know where I'm going. <laughs> and I wasn't being carefree. I just knew this is the time. My employer paid for me to take a training course so that I could teach English as a second language. I couldn't do accounting in German. 
I knew a little, but not enough for that. But I thought, well, I can teach English as a second language. My employer paid for me to do that course, $1,000, and wrote me a check. It was during this time I met Gina, my wife, in the yellow, just so you know. Um, she was in Missouri. I was in London preparing to go to Austria. That's a whole nother story. But we eventually embarked on a long-distance relationship. Um, but I went to Austria, just like God had promised me. Um, I had no job. I had nowhere to stay. Well, I, had a, I booked into a hotel for two weeks. In nine days, I had a job and I had somewhere to live, an apartment. Um, and I was there six months and I was able to teach English um, as a second language. And I had the time of my life. And it was part of a church plant as well. <clears throat> but it was six months. Now, this had been ten years in the making for six months. But would I change it? No. The whole journey was incredible. Yes, it had its ups and downs. Then after that period of time, we got married, and I came here to the US. We're in Missouri. I ended up going to college because I joined my company straight from school um, and in 2014 the year I was due to graduate I was looking for a full-time job we were just about surviving on my college loans and what Gina was earning as a teacher um, but it was getting tough in fact we almost got to the point of foreclosure on our house and our house was on we put it on the market it was a beautiful home we put it on the market but it just wouldn't sell and, you know, we did what the realtor, who was a friend, she said, paint it up, do this, do that. We followed that, nothing. And then I suddenly remembered a church that we'd belonged to, there was a realtor guy, and I thought, you know what? I just felt we should give him a call. So we called him. <laughs> I said, do you remember me? He said, yeah, yeah, I remember you. Within two months, that house was sold. Okay? And we moved down to Texas. I couldn't find any work where we were and uh, we moved down to Texas. And then I went through a series of jobs and what have you. And the main one of the main stumbling blocks was that, uh, you know, if I want paid, paid time off, I don't just want a day here, day there. Because if I'm going to England to visit my family, I need at least two weeks. But I kept running into issues, and so we made this decision in around 2019, or maybe, yeah, 2019, you know what, I'm going to go short-term contract. I lose certain things, but I gain the freedom, if you like. Um, and, and then in 2019, oh, it was coming up to 2020, I guess. No, 2019. I was thinking, you know what, it's about 10 years Coming up 10 years since I was in Austria. We need to go on a short-term mission trip. Now, it was short-term because she was working, I was working, you know. 
But what we found, we did a two-week mission trip. You can do two-week mission trips, like you did a 10-day. And we ended up, we didn't know where we was going until they offered us. They said, you can go to East Germany, former East Germany. We ended up at the Patchwork Centre. Um, (laughs) And it blew our brains. It it wrecked us, but in a good way. Um, Now, Erica went to Africa. She saw the suffering. Okay, in former East Germany, they've been through a change where, you know, they were under communist rule and now they're under the West. But for some people, they've been left behind. And the missionary who we met, who met us and picked us up, he said, the people here have forgotten that they've forgotten God. But we went to this patchwork centre. The patchwork centre was a former post office. And they went there to plant the church, but that didn't work. So what they did, they held street parties. They invited people, had gatherings with music and food. They refurbished the patchwork centre. It has become a community centre. They've got a workshop. They've got a bicycle repair shop. They've got a cafe there. They're bringing local, previously unemployed people in to run the cafe. It's incredible. You get right-wing skinheads, neo-Nazis with refugees and asylum seekers. Those things don't mix, but they do under the power of God. God can do what no one else can do. And we were there. We couldn't really... I spoke a little bit of German. They didn't hardly speak any English. The Dutch missionaries did. So for two weeks... We, were, we weren't allowed to share the gospel or whatever, but just being in that place gripped our heart, yeah. literally. Now, because of COVID, we haven't been able to go back. But, um, but yeah, it was life-changing. So I don't care where you go, but go. Find some way to go. God will show you. You know, it's not about your ability, it's about your availability. You know, me and Gina, we have this thing. We have a ministry of showing up. And so some of you may have said, well, where's this, where have I been for like until recently? God actually sent us on an assignment to a church where Gina grew up in because they needed help. And we went there to help. And when they said, okay, we don't need your help anymore, we've come back here. <laughs> so now it's what's next. Yeah. Um, we'd gone on this short-term contract situation with me But then after I came back from uh, England last, about a year ago, the company I was working for, they said, would you like to go full-time? I said, well, yes, but I need that time off to go and visit my family. They said, yes, you can. So I said, well, you're giving me what I've asked for. So since last October, I've actually been taken on board full-time And this week I got an email to say that everybody in the company is getting $500 as a cost of living payment. You know? um, So when you say to me, cast your cares on him, for he cares for you. And I know you've been through stuff. It's not just me and it's not about me. I'm nothing special. I've not got no label. I've got no ministry. But it's just being available and showing up. Um, so what I want you to 
want to say, just to wind things up. When I met Gina, I, I said to her, I said, look, if, you, if we get together and if we decide to go for a long-term relationship, um, whatever, be prepared. This is going to be a white-knuckle ride. <laughs> and I meant it. And at the beginning of our relationship, she said to me, um, I was in Austria, she was in Missouri, and we both had conversations with God. Um, I was like, well, how is this going to work out, you know? Um, how long am I going to be in Austria? It's not for me to call it, because God called me to Austria. It was him to end things. And <laughs> I remember the day, I actually, it was a Sunday morning. We had church on a Saturday evening at Borrowed Church. And I actually took a boat trip on the Danube in foggy October. And God spoke to me clearly and said, don't worry about this. I've, I've got this under control. And then I spoke to Gina that night and I thought, she's not going to understand what I'm saying. And she said, oh yeah, she said, I had a conversation and she said, I said to God, look, I know the story about Austria. If I need to let him go, I'm willing to do that. And she will tell you, and I'm not making this up, she will tell you that God said to her, no, stay with him. Okay? So by the time I called her thinking, what's she going to make of me saying I heard from God? She said, oh, no, it's okay. I've already heard from him. We just, I was just waiting for you to catch up. <laughs> so... Okay. Can we just take some time to bow our heads? Dear Lord. Lord, your titles in Revelation, we're told, are faithful and true. In fact, you've actually got a tattoo which says faithful and true. And Lord, you are. And you always will be. And despite all the things we go through, the anxieties, the cares, the good, the bad, you are always there. And you direct us to cast them on you. Because in some cases we think we can handle it. But Lord, you can take care of anything from the smallest detail to the biggest problem, to the biggest mountain. Lord, I just ask, if, if this message is just for one person, whether it be here in this building or even online, Lord, I pray that you'll speak to that person. Not about me, it's about you. I'm just a channel, a vessel. I'm nothing except one of the blood bought that you hung on that cross for to pay for my sin. Lord, I thank you so much. And I'm eagerly anticipating what's happening. Lord, you know my heart. Lord, I just pray as we come to the end of this service that you will go with us, your Holy Spirit will follow us, that you'll speak to us. And that if we haven't 
done so, or if there's things that we haven't, Lord, that we will cast your cares and your anxieties on you because you care. You care for each one of us, whether it be the small details or the huge mountains that we face. Amen.